gentlemen, what a privilege to be here this morning with y'all. And uh, Pastor Ray, thank you for considering me to this. And I'm privileged to share the platform with such godly men, great Bible teachers. And Jeff, man, what an amazing gifted worship leader, yeah? And uh, man, I'm convinced of this, guys like him, Satan really hates. Because, you know, anybody that worships God and leads people in that form, that was Satan's deal in heaven. Do y'all know that? That was his lane. So he's like, really? No, no. I don't want anybody worshiping God. I'm going to work real hard against those who war in that lane. And, uh, but, well, come on in. What, is the smoking light on? Turn it off. Only got a few minutes, and the way I talk, I don't even understand what I'm saying. We're we're in Ephesians chapter 5. The text I've been given is uh, one I wish I wasn't. Y'all could have given me ones before or after or easier and better. Uh, but we'll see what we can get out of this. So how about this rain? Man, we, yeah, I, I, I know y'all's valley needs it, but uh, uh, it'd be nice if we could measure it out a little better over time. I think y'all just got six months worth. As we drove in, the interstates closed last night. I'm like, hey, dude. Feels like Louisiana. I was waiting for gators to start coming out of the ditch. Uh, I was going to go frog hunting last night. It's like, there's got to be some around this New Mexico place. Oh, that's a coyote. He's too big. (laughs) Uh, And then, uh, just as a side note, you know, we eat food. What's y'all's... I think there's a famous little Mexican restaurant. Y'all got Mexican food around here, don't y'all? Yeah. Uh, Some place in downtown or it's been around since the 40s. Do y'all know what I'm talking about? I think that's it. Yes. Man, anointed food right there. That that is Mexican manna. I kept eating last night. I was like, honey, I may not be able to make it in the morning. This food is too good. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the men that you got out, those that are watching or listening to this later. I ask for a seamless canopy of your blood crisis around this building. Would you post your warring angels on all sides so that any demonic activity, warfare, lies, missiles, darts that be shot during this time would be completely distinguished where there would be no effectiveness of the enemy's attempt to hinder or what you want to do this morning or today. So, Father, we calm our hearts. We, we ask for forgiveness of our sins. I pray you cleanse us. And uh, we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 
Well, could you raise your hand? I, I, I haven't been here in a coon's age. How many of you are not familiar with my story or testimony? Would you raise your hand? Okay, all right. Um, well, let me put in context because what I'm gonna cover today regarding the fruit of the spirit or light or goodness and truth and kindness and all that, that's pretty much stuff I don't have. So that's why it was a hard verse. I was like, really? This is not good. I, not good. <clears throat> uh, I, one, I'm a failed Calvary Chapel pastor. Yeah. And <laughs> hey, my buddy right there. And I'm okay with it. Is that all right? Everybody's like, oh my. What, what? Yeah, I just now, you know, you find me on Craigslist as a speaker. Let me come. No. Guys, here's the deal. I may appear a little irreverent to some things, but I'm not. I love the Lord with all my heart, so mind, strength, and, and I'm a fellow stumbler. But I just, I speak the truth that I'm pretty transparent. You okay with that? Yeah. And I always speak like I'm never going to be asked back. Because <laughs> that happens quite often. So, <clears throat> so I just go at it. <clears throat> it's like when you know you, you probably won't win this fight, but you're going to get some of it anyway. Because you're going to take a shellacking. You go, well, I'm going to get a piece of the pie anyway. <clears throat> now, when I say I was a failed pastor, what, you know, I, I really wanted to be in ministry in, in the area of a pastor. So I started out as an assistant pastor at a Calvary Chapel under Brian Broderson back in the 80s when I, when I got saved. And, and um and uh, well, actually, I'll tell you the time when they thought it was a good idea for me to ex- expand my ministry, other than at their church. <laughs> Exercise my calling in a different way was when, uh, you know, I was a junior high pastor, then college age, and, and I did some evangelism, but man. <clears throat> The church was going, it was big, I was one of the pastors on staff, and they had me do counseling. I wasn't married, I was just out the United States Marine Corps. Mm. Simplify. And there was a fellow who kept, you know, messing up with his family, and it escalated where he cheated on his wife, then he did it again, and he'd always come to me because this child one of his kids was in my junior high group, so I put them back together because I'm like, well, you know, the, the good book says you got to forgive, and, and I got his wife to, we did that a few times, but then I, I realized it was a cycle, and I may be slow, but I'm consistently slow, so <laughs> there's something, there's something to say for that. Uh, <laughs> like when you're shooting at a target and you're, you're off, but your pattern's good. You got a tight grouping. <laughs> a grouping's tight. Yeah, you're all over the place on it. Um, <laughs> so this last time, I got a call from his wife, and, and, you know, he was using meth, and he was tripping on all that. But she called crying. She said, oh, my gosh, this blocks, it's, it's never been like that. He got violent. And... 
when he was leaving the house, our little toddler, she said, was in his way and he just went boom and he hit her and bounced her off of a wall. And the little toddler was injured. Well, I'm at a church something similar to this and, and I'll never forget, um, he had come in the back, church services, uh, there was things going on or in between and, and uh, he saw me and I saw him and then he went looking for another pastor. But I found him and said, hey, you look pretty perplexed. And he said, oh, it's bad. And so I took him into my office like I normally did. But this time, I let him sit at my desk. And then I sat by the door. And I said, so what's going on? And he's like, oh, man, I messed up again. I'm cheating on, you know. And then he goes, you know, but, you know, can you just get me and my wife back together again? That fast. That's what sin does to man. Messes you up, right? I said, well, you know, actually, she called me. Said, you kind of lost it. And you actually, you, you physically, you know, hit your kid. You struck your little toddler and bounced her off the wall. And he goes, oh, he, he's like, oh, yeah, I did. I, oh, man, I don't know. Uh, and then he said this, I don't know what's wrong with me. Somebody should just beat me. I don't have many gifts in my life. <laughs> but conflict is one that I oddly feel comfortable in. <laughs> so I said, well, we can do that. And uh, so I engaged him and uh, he ends up on the ground screaming and I'm laying hands on him and True story, trust me. Uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden the door, boom, the door swings open and it's uh, Pastor Gaylord Tohill, uh, who's this real conservative, godly man. He's our, the number two pastor. And boom, he goes, Victor, Victor. And I'm like this, i never forget. I'm like. <laughs> and this shows you how low my IQ is which I'm totally comfortable with. Because yeah, nothing has to be high on a standard for me. I spell my name and I'm doing pretty good. I looked at him, he goes, can you, can you come here? And I looked at him like, I'm in a counseling session. <laughs> I, I remember. <laughs> I literally remember th thinking to myself, man, do, do I barge into you when you're in those intense? Isn't there a protocol among the colleagues here? You know? And, and he, I think he knew me pretty good. And he goes, uh, Victor, I, I, could you just step out here for just a minute? And I was like, all right. And, you know, the guy's screaming. He's still like, yeah, this guy's crazy. And I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll be back. <laughs> I walk out, and Gaylord, bless his heart, he looks at me, and he goes, and he knows what he's dealing with. Fresh out the Marine Corps from the swamps of Louisiana. Amen. Yeah, and he goes, uh, Victor, when people come into the church for counseling, we don't hit them. 
And he was sincere. As he, and I went, oh, well, I know that. No, no, I wouldn't. Ne- I, I've never done that. It's okay. It, everything's fine because he actually asked for it. He, he was like, what in the world are you doing? So, yeah, it was shortly after that that they all thought I should extend my ministry other places. <laughs> so I opened up a karate school. I taught martial arts professionally for years. And uh, karate, jiu-jitsu, boxing, we trained 15 world champions in a move, helping special operations personnel be developed for spot-specific things in non-permissive environments. And, uh, and then we moved to uh, go back into ministry of a different sort after many, many years, and it was with focus on the family, Dr. James Dobson. And uh, they invited me to come on staff, really at an executive level to assist him by travel on his behalf. And I thought, man, these people don't have discernment at all. <laughs> but uh, God knew what he was doing, put me in that place and kind of got me squared away and knocked off some edges. And a few years after that, the Lord said, I- I've got a tailored ministry for you, Victor. It's just taken me years to get you ready. Amen. Years. Because I... You know, I was, I was near about 40 when I really realized, oh my gosh, I, I do have a unique calling that I can finally walk into. And it was starting a ministry called All Things Possible, reaching troubled, abused, and hurting youth. And I went right to youth prisons. And after 14 years of dealing with the top three to 5% most chronic violent offenders in the U.S., We've been in over, I think it's 1,100 juvenile facilities now, sharing the gospel, God's love. And I think we're somewhere around 6,000 letters young men and women have handwritten me from juvenile facilities around the country and even overseas now. Um, But the Lord, when we really got in that space and were faithful and God was doing great things, he expanded our ministry to where we ended up going and starting reaching troubled, abused, trafficked. Because, you know, obviously, kids are trafficked who are in the juvenile system and that lifestyle uh, that perpetuates that. But God expanded our ministry to go overseas. And we ended up going, Burma was the first spot. Then we landed and we kind of planted a flag uh, in Iraq. And... Long story short, we've done, because when you operate in that theater, uh, anybody serve over there, God bless y'all. You, you know, it's a different environment, right? So over there, you, you, you've got to mind your P's and Q's because you get your feelings hurt pretty quick. And uh, God gave us the opportunity to start reaching first girls who were held captive by ISIS. And then he expanded the work for trauma relief until finally, this summer, we were doing recovery of, of kids who were orphaned or had been held captive by ISIS. How many of you know we kind of went right at it? Something to do with a little IQ. You just trust God for everything. And can I tell you something? ISIS, all they are is a manifestation of evil. 
And according to the Bible, we've already whooped evil. The cross did it all. God just gives us the opportunity as men to, right? So, and I'll tell you something else right now. Pastor Jason, he, he, uh, he was on one of our teams that joined us. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Let me tell you what. That brother ain't right in the head. I mean, we're, we're, yeah, I'm just confirming what some of you already knew. I mean, we're in Mosul with ISIS firing everything from, it, it was, we, we had plenty of fun. And then we're recovering small children that either their parents were gunned down and killed by ISIS trying to flee, or one kid was held captive for three years. I mean, there's just on and on, but I'm going to tell you all what. I don't really care when men say they're a Christian. And if you've been around Christianity long enough, that, nowadays that don't matter much. I just kind of, I feel more comfortable if I'm going to do something, hanging around with men that follow Jesus and are his disciple. And that man is. I'll tell you what, he, he's a solid character, right? And she's pretty good too. So I thank God for him. Um, well, before I bring in this text, well, I, I better, better do it right now. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth truth. So I've read up and I got my notes in here on some pretty impressive commentaries. That's basically mostly dead guys who all they did was study the Bible and write about it. Listen to what this one fellow says. This is one of the cases in which the revised version has done service by taking currency an unmistakably accurate and improved reading. That which stands in our authorized version, the fruit of the Spirit, seems to have been a correction made by someone who took offense at the violent metaphor as he conceived it, that light should bear fruit. Desired to tinker with the text a bit, so as to bring into verbal correspondence with another passage that's actually in the Epistle of Galatians, where the fruits of the Spirit's enumerated. But the reading the fruit of the light has not only the preponderance of manuscript authority in its favor, but it's preferable because it preserves a striking image and is in harmony with the whole context. Does that sound like pretty good Bible knowledge stuff? Yeah. Okay, so that's about all you get from me. <laughs> so what he's saying... It really should be reading the fruit of light. That was his perspective. But we can say fruit of the Spirit, which it references Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit are, right? Love, joy, all those. But I'll tell you something. For me, I learned a long time ago, it's not necessarily how much you know, it's what you can do. 
Anybody? Amen. Here's why I say this. We are in a battle. I mean, this conference name is exposed, right? Which can mean a lot in weird context too. But in our culture... But when you start talking about in context that expose the works of darkness, the enemy, it boils down to this. We're in a battle. We're in a war. And the spiritual realm is far more real than what you even see in the physical. I made a post on Facebook that said, look, it was a picture of me and an ISIS fighter that um, my dog had graciously said, don't move, or I will hurt your feelings. And I was able to talk to this captured ISIS fighter who in, in Mosul who actually, I mean, he was just captured. And uh, they were beating on him when I said, hey, <laughs> let me visit with this fella. I get to spend one hour with this ISIS guy um, because I'd ask the Lord for it, you know? If we could solve all our problems through shooting people, we would have won that war a long time ago. Say amen. amen. There's a place to kill monsters that, that, that should be uh, stopped because they're workers of iniquity that have no desire to change. And, and they would just as soon go in your house and rape your wife and kill your kids or grandkids than just look at you. And some of those men, they, they need to be given their desire to, to get off the face of this earth and go find their virgins, which I, I don't really think that's going to happen. But my point is this. If, and I've met so many Jesus jihad people in America. They're like, we got to kill them all. I met a guy in a Starbucks. When I was talking about, he, I let him know, yeah, we do work in Iraq. I was just in Mosul. He was talking about my dog. He goes, man. We just need to bomb them and kill them all. I was like, wow, I used to really think that too. One, before I was a Christian, and uh, two, you know, when I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> I said, you know what, that really doesn't work. He goes, why not? I said, because once you hold one of their children, it changes everything. Hey, that, that he said there, he was like shocked that I said that. I said, kids are kids everywhere, man. Everywhere. It don't matter religion, creed, race, country. It doesn't matter. When you pick up a little kid, man, they, they, they don't know the hate of their parents yet against others. They're not racist. They're not prejudiced. They, they don't hate. They don't know what a Sunni is, a Shia, a Christian. They're just these little lives, right, that poop a lot. <laughs> Man, we mess it up, the enemy of our soul. And that's what I'm talking about. This whole idea of being the light and having fruit of the Spirit, it matters, gentlemen. It matters. Unless we forget our faith in God is a supernatural thing. Let me warn you of becoming so mind-focused, even on what 
the text says without application into your life or the power of God's spirit that you'll miss out on a lot. And so much so, because I, I think it was Pastor Chuck Smith who said, too much words, you dry up. Too much spirit, you blow up. And just enough of both, you grow up. And man, I tell you, we need mature Christians. We need mature. And just because you get older, that don't mean you're mature. Praise the Lord. I told you, I ain't ever coming back, I think. I think this is going to be it. <laughs> you guys, listen. Our faith could be so much more exciting. Can I say exciting? If we walked around with a sense of being empowered by God supernaturally. Supernaturally. Yeah? And we need it in this day and age. Darkness is so intense, so aggressive, that if you think just being quiet and like, well, you know, that won't make it. You need the power of God in you. Say or do what he says at any given moment. Does that make sense? <laughs> Listen, if I took you on a team in the Mosul and we're doing our caravan and armored vehicles and you've got an AK in between your legs because ISIS is everywhere and you're thinking, man, all I want to do is deliver the food, the milk, you know, powdered milk or pick up a kid and they're, going, they're trying to kill us. How many of you know you'd be pretty focused and dialed in? Yeah? It, this is what I said about even with the intensity of that ISIS fighter. The battle we face spiritually is far more intense than that. Far more. Because at least you have a defined enemy. If they're shooting at you or dropping mortars on you, you go, well, oh, it's a bad day for them. Here in America, where we live and operate in our relaxed environment that is so permissive, it's unbelievable. The enemy is always stalking, seeking to disrail you, to destroy your family, to ruin your witness for the Lord, to make you think that certain lies that you've believed over the years are yours. And they're not. There are certain lies that we believe that the Bible calls fiery darts, that when they hit you, Believe me, you hear that lie long enough, it becomes your truth. And gentlemen, that's when you gotta pause and go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You know, what are, what are the lies? One, you, you, one of the most common lies that I hear when I pray with people is, God doesn't love you. Amen. God doesn't love you. Oh, he, he loves people but specifically you. That's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God loves you so much that he actually, Jesus died on that cross. That is proof positive. Do you understand? Let me put it in terms this way. Now, I'll show you a picture in a minute, but one of my interpreters who I who I'd brought into our team and then invited him to, to help us for years. 
He, he was recently killed on an operation. It was a bad deal all the way around. Now, he was a, he was a Yazidi, and he, he hated Arabs. But somehow God touched his life, and he, and he did give his life to Christ. You know, the last picture of him taken was a hard day. There's a lot of fighting. And it shows him, the last photo taken of him alive, he's sitting on the ground, and he's, he's cradling an Iraqi soldier who's Arab, who he hates. And he's covering his face from the sun. He's showing that guy love and compassion and mercy. It, it is such a powerful, powerful photo. And, and what God is able to do in and through your life, I can tell you as sure as I'm standing here, it's far more than what you can think. It's far more than what your mind can limit it at. Because God wants to get the glory of showing off through your life. If you let him. If you'll listen to his spirit. So the fruit of the spirit are the fruit of light. If you say light, like this fellow says, it's light and darkness and both have fruit. Both the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness are advancing their territories and going for souls. And that's what this battle is. And it's constant. And if he can't win your soul over by keeping you from coming to faith, he'll just try to destroy your life from the inside out. Amen. From the inside out. Hmm. I'll show y'all some pictures right now that'll give you an idea. Well, do you want to see any photos from, our, from Mosul and what we do? You want to see anything? Is that time? Is my theological exposition blowing you away? All right, if we could, let's take a look at some photos because I'll show you the manifestation of evil right there. That's Mosul. That's a, that's a street. That's actually a street where people live in their homes and, and the, the absolute carnage that has happened. That's what I call the manifestation of evil. And we went into those streets and, uh, and we were, this is just one snapshot, but we were handing out food, uh, lion and lambs for kids who've had trauma. Heck, we were doing diapers. That, I mean, that's interesting, because uh, guess what? Muslim, and Christian kids and Yazidi kids, they actually need diapers. Just, just so y'all know. They don't wrap them with a fig leaf. They use diapers over there. We brought them diapers. This here is one of the most well-known photos of a little girl that was rescued. Uh, nobody knew her name, so we called her the, the, the girl with no name. And that's a friend of mine, Dave Eubank. This is the one that was shown on Fox and CNN and all the social media platforms millions of times. 
He had run and captured her, grout her out. He had run from behind a tank. She was hiding underneath her mom's dress. Her mother, they were trying to leave and there was an X that you had to cross and those snipers from ISIS shooting people. Those were probably 70 bodies laid out. I don't show that picture, it's, it's, it's too rough. But her mom was shot as she ran with her little girl. That little girl right there hid underneath her mom's dress for about three days. She'd only come out to try to find water among dead bodies, because everybody's carrying bottled water, right? Uh, you couldn't touch her without her winching. She couldn't speak. It, her state of shock was so unbelievable. This is her after we took her into our home and did super duper trauma care. With, <laughs> Uh, hey, uh, we're all for helping people with trauma, and there's different types of modalities and approaches. Uh, I mean, everything from high tech to, but whenever you're helping anybody, especially kids, you know what you need most? Love. 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 And that little girl, she knew she was safe. And uh, you know how she broke out of her her deal where she couldn't talk or anything. My kids, who we have a home in Iraq, come visit us sometimes, it's great. If you want on one, I know real estate agent, there's land available, trust you me. It's like desert like this, y'all fit right in. <laughs> Stay brown. It helps. My kids started blowing bubbles. And this little girl saw it, and then she, she smiled, and then she stands up and she starts walking toward the bubbles. And we were like, holy cornflakes. And then she starts talking and laughing. Six years old, she busted out of that shell because of bubble therapy. Just remember that. So next time your teenagers all getting crazy, just... No? Yes, You'd be surprised. Bus, some of y'all are going to be at the dollar store today. I'm take a couple bottles of balls. <laughs> this little boy, uh, ISIS invaded their village, captured his mom, took his brothers and dad, and then they captured him, kidnapped him. Um, his dad and brothers were never recovered. His mom actually escaped but he was held captive by ISIS for three years. When people tell me, hey man, you just gotta kill all the ISIS people. I go, really? Because guess what, he's one of them. Amen. He's one that had to carry a weapon, shoot, carry ammo. Uh, he captured at 10 years old. Right there in that picture, he had shrapnel going through his back and to his stomach. And we got the call to help when he was rescued by General Mustafa. And here he is in a casualty collection point. We didn't think he was gonna live. Look at that boy, I think he's 12 or 13 years old right there. Look at him. People say, well man, somebody asked me, what would have happened if y'all weren't there? To get a call and us to boom, 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 go get him and then pull him out. And I really started thinking about it. I go, man, I, I don't know, maybe he, he might not have lived. This is a couple of our team guys. 
and we brought them to a, a, a medical hospital. And more importantly, we had people start praying. Man, we texted and we, we told Americans, man, y'all got to pray. We got a case. I don't know if this kid's going to live. People prayed and gave money because I said, this, this guy's going to need some funding. From that, we ended up um, finding relatives, placing with relatives. Then a Yazidi organization actually tracked down his mother, who they had helped get out of the country, was in Canada, and they reunited that young man with his mom in Canada. And you should, uh, there he is right there. And as great as that is, he goes to bed every night wondering if his dad is still alive or his brothers. And that kid, if we don't reach him with the love of God like we did, they are the next generation of extremists. Because they have a right to be angry, right? It's like America. I mean, how many of you joined gangs or were part of things because your family life was so messed up or you felt injustice of you, you know, and then you're like, man, I gotta be part of something, right? Over there, that's what it is. The difference is they just go to the extreme of everything. They're still humans, and the love of God can reach any person in this world. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that little girl was pulled out of rubble man, you can see in her eyes in that grip so, so much pain. We got her. We brought her to our house in Iraq and we started loving on her, providing a safe environment, loving her. And, and uh, man, it's, it, it, what God did was unbelievable. We called her Boo <laughs> because my kids put little ponytails in her. She looked like that kid on Monsters, Inc. <laughs> she'd walk around, barely walk in, ah, and she'd go right after my dog, Scout. Ah, and Scout would be like, oh, here she comes again. <laughs> but that picture of her and that girl, after her being with us, and our, uh, our ministry has to operate with operational security, intelligence, right, uh, special needs because of what we do. Much like this church, you have security, you have your parking, you have, right? We just operate in that environment. You can have certain aspects to be able to do well, right? So our intelligence group, we found out that she had a living relative back in Mosul, and we went and got her, went, loaded up, all the checkpoints right through ISIS territory. And when they say Mosul has been liberated, it had not been trust you me, doing all of our operations. Because I, I was there the day they said, I was watching the news, I, Mosul is liberated, ah! And I'm going, I'm here. Uh, yeah, what part of it? And, um, but we found that girl, it was her sister, and we brought her to our house, and while her little sister was sleeping that night, we placed her in the bed, and the next morning, they woke up together. Unbelievable reunion right there. And her parents, their parents were killed. They were, they were under the rubble. They didn't make it out. Um, so my dog, Scout, 
thank God for organizations that see a need. And there's some guys who go, hey, man, we, we, we train dogs and put them in special operations places, and we think you could use one. I said, yeah. How much are they? Well, they start out at 35000 I was like, I'll take 10. I was like, man, we don't have a budget for that. He said, don't worry. We want to place one with you. We want to donate one. One of their finest dogs. That little dog started training when she was four weeks old. At nine months old, she was doing demos at this Navy SEAL Museum, right? UDT. And then at 12 months, she was at President Trump's house doing a state, doing a, you know, a demo, whatever. We took her in that environment. It was unbelievable. It's the best way I can describe, we call her Super Scout. She was nose to nose with the ISIS fighters. And then a few hours later, she'd be in our home with kids crawling on her and loving her. Look at there, that's little baby Ali. <laughs> they, they became friends, singing together, you know, her having diaper duty. <clears throat> I know she's like, hey, canine nose, thousand times better than your nostrils. Change this stinker. <laughs> uh, our work, because of the fruit of the Spirit, right, of God's Holy Spirit doing great things in and through us over there, guess what? Muslims started to take notice. Amen. We were going to camps, and we were able to provide these lion and lambs and love on these children. To date, we've reached 21,000 children in IDB camps who've been affected by ISIS. It caught the attention. We have more media attention there by Muslim television stations than we do here in the U.S., by Christians. Oh my gosh. There was a Christian magazine that was gonna do a story on us and then, you know, they found out <clears throat> we're a little, uh, you know, full contact in our prayers against the works of darkness and uh, they backed up. I'm like, y'all gonna come do a story but now you're not going to put us in your dang magazine because you think we prayed too aggressive against forces of darkness? God needs warriors. Oh my gosh. I went 16 Muslim TV stations were following us, seeing what we're doing, interview, and reporters crying because they see the good works of God that are preordained, preordained for us to do. All we did is hear and walk in it. Un unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. That's why I think Western Christianity, man, we got to do some, we got to do some adjusting. Tokyo, come on in. We got to adjust some things, people. Because uh, uh, the state of, the state of it's not good. When we fear men more than we do God. When, when we want the adulation of men as, am I doing right? Who cares what men think? You, you need to be concerned about what God Almighty who saved your soul is directing you to do. Right? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Well, huh, huh. on that point of us doing this stuff, General Mustafa, he's, he is a chief of staff now, the number two guy with the ninth division of the Iraqi army, he presented me with a birthday party. Because I turned 50-something over there. 
And he had this big deal, even fireworks. And he's, he is, he's over armored brigades and tanks and all that. So it was big fireworks. I ain't going to kid you. I was like, good night. I need my jacket. I need body armor. And you know what? In front of everybody, he presented me with a silver cross. In front of everybody, he said, you guys have shown us what Christianity is truly about and who Jesus is. I'll say this in closing. When you start looking at the fruit of the Spirit and all those great supernatural attributes, which they are, because it's stuff that we normally can't do, say amen. amen. Huh. Love is the one thing that matters over everything else. over everything else. If you look at a man in a pulpit or on TV or on radio and you, you lift him up because he has a gift to teach or speak or inspire and that man doesn't have love, you're doing wrong. Amen. Just like what I tell athletes and I have the privilege of working with Professional athletes all the way to tier one special operation guys. We're, we're talking special missions unit, like Delta, guys out of the agency, blah, blah, blah. There's all kind of, look at me. Your skill sets can take you to a place where your character can't sustain you. And it doesn't matter if it's physical. I was sitting in a building on New York Harbor, building that this guy, he's a billionaire. We're on the water, this is his company. I'm thinking, holy smokes. It doesn't matter if you can make billions. It, if your character isn't in line with God and you're, you're doing what you do out of love, you're in trouble. Love, that's the benchmark of Christianity. For God so loved the world. Loved the world. And man, we better not ever stop loving sinners instead of trying to put them down. Amen. And trust me, you're talking to a guy who, you know, I've been shot at by sinners and had to shoot back. But I had love in my heart. I said before the 25th Strike Brigade, one of the most intense battled units, <clears throat> and I said, gentlemen, ladies, you don't have to hate your enemy in order to kill him. You have to stop that threat from killing you or someone else or the innocent. <clears throat> don't let hate get in your heart. It, the place went silent. They were stunned. And because of what God showed me, you know, I've had the privilege to pray for people all the way up at the Pentagon, people who work in the White House. This is an old Cajun guy. Unbelievable. <clears throat> you see that movie, 13 Hours? <clears throat> One of the main guys, Teagues, John was at my table eating gumbo. Amen. Amen. 
God wants to do in and through you beyond what you can imagine. Trust me, it's not for you to just exist. It's for you to excel. It's for you to conquer. It's for you to push the kingdom of God further by hearing him and obeying him. But it will cause you to make enemies. An enemy of your soul will come at you. He'll come at your family. He'll do all that. The best way I can describe that is what a friend told me, one of my black belts. I was calling belly aching one time. I was like, oh my gosh, man, the enemy's relentless. He just won't get off me. I'm making my job difficult. Speaking of evil, right? He said one thing, big Tahitian guy. He goes, he listens to me and he goes, but that's his job. <laughs> what? He goes, yes, sir, that's his job. <laughs> It'd be like a quarterback whining. And that guy keeps breaking through the line and tackling me. <clears throat> that's his job. So you know what? Stop belly aching and get aggressive. Engage the force of darkness with the power of God supernaturally <clears throat> by love, by being a light. And just so you know, that all that stuff we do over there, people go, oh, you're such a lighthouse. I go, negative. I know me. Just ask my wife, who's actually praying for me right now <clears throat> that I don't mess this up. <laughs> Brethren, you can be a spark for God in a dark place and do great. And that's about all I got. Love y'all.